You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of South Hills Church in Corona, California. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at southhills.org forward slash corona. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. The title of my message today is Hearing Voices. Hearing Voices. Um... A while back, I, uh, this was actually pre-COVID, I was going to the gym like really early in the morning and I, I pulled up uh, in like my usual parking spot and uh, sort of settled in. I was drinking a shake like before I went in to the gym and there was this other guy who pulled in, this car that pulled in and he pulled in kind of catty corner from me. There's like a couple sp- empty spaces then he was parked there, but I could like see into his car and he pulled in and sat there for a couple seconds and then he just uh, looked like he was just yelling. I mean, he's just ranting. He's like, I just see his arms flailing about, like he's lecturing someone and he keeps pointing in the, in the rear view mirror. And so I was like, you know, because I, I'm, I'm curious and um, I was spying actually is what I was doing. I was spying on him. And so I'm like trying to peer back. I'm trying to see if there's like somebody in his car. Cause part of me is like, there better not be a kid in that car. He's just like leaning into a kid. And I can't see anybody in the car. And I'm like kind of spying, I'm kind of looking over. And then as he's like yelling in the car, he looks over and makes eye contact at me. And so he's raining, he looks over at me and I'm like looking over at me. And then I tried to pretend like I wasn't looking, but he knew that I was. So then I looked away real quick and then I looked back and he was still looking at me, but he was still talking like angrily, and I'm like, man, this guy knows, and he looks very muscular, you know, and I was starting to feel like, a little, and I'm like, I gotta get, I just, I should go in there where it's like safe, and there's, you know, there's security cameras and stuff, and so I, I just was like, I'm gonna grab my duffel bag, so I, I, I got out of the car, I grabbed the duffel bag, and I start to like leave and uh, go in, and I notice as I'm starting to walk to the, the front door, he had just gotten out of his car right around the same time, grabbed his duffel bag, and he is also walking towards the door, and I'm like, I do not wanna get to the front door at the same time as this guy, because it's gonna be weird, so I pretended like I saw something on the ground and I need to pick it up and I spent a couple of seconds doing that and then I untied and tied my shoe again like behind another car and then I got up to the thing and because there's a line inside to scan in, he was just there waiting. So now I had to stand next to him in a line. We got up, we scanned in and I'm like, oh, man, I can, now I can get into the locker room and he won't be going there. But sure enough, he was going to the same locker room as me. And so we walked together to the locker room in silence and I'm like, I'm gonna go to the very back and put my stuff away and I went to the back and he came right around the corner and put his stuff like two lockers away from mine. And so I'm just like, this guy is, is stalking me and he's gonna beat me to death uh, somehow today because I saw something I wasn't supposed to see. And, and so I'm like, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna like just say something to try and like deescalate it, make it feel less weird. So I just said to him in the moment, I was just like, hey, um, I know you saw me like see you in the car and like, I just want you to know, like, don't feel weird because, like, we've all had those kind of weird, like, phone conversations, you know, and I just, like, don't worry about it. And he was like, oh, I wasn't talking on the phone. And I was like, oh, okay. In my head, I'm like, I tried to give you an out and you didn't even want it. What are you doing to yourself right now? He's like, no, no, I wasn't on the phone. I was, uh, I was giving myself a pre-workout pep talk. I was like, it seemed angry. And he's like, it was, I didn't want to hear it. (laughs) Which brings me to my first point. And that is steroids are real guys. They are real. (laughs) People use them and they change people, man. They really do. 
now I have to avoid this guy. I had to change gyms, you guys. I can't be going back there. I know too much, and he knows I know too much. And it's weird. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like this where you, you like caught someone talking to themselves, right? Like they, like, uh, you, like you saw them and they were just kind of like, and you were looking around for anything else. You were looking for like the Bluetooth in their ear and it wasn't there, right? They, Cause they were just having a conversation with themselves and you snickered to yourself and you thought it was hilarious. But here's the thing, you do it too. We all do. Everybody talks to themselves. This is kind of how we are as people. We all talk to ourselves consistently. And we do this for all sorts of reasons, right? We, we internally rehearse arguments, we mull over decisions, we make assumptions and we justify and, and we judge our own actions. This is who we are as people. And although we all you know, have a series of sort of inside voices that are a part of this ongoing dialogue inside of our own minds, not all of these voices are helpful and healthy. I wonder if you've realized this about some of yours. Let me ask you this, like, are, are the voices, like, is your internal dialogue, the one that you have with yourself, like, is it more complimentary, caring, and constructive, or is it more discouraging, defeating, and demeaning? You don't have to answer out loud. Um, you just <laughs> jot that down for yourself. And I, I wonder if maybe you're just like, ugh, it's not what I want it to be. Maybe more than it's not, it's not helpful. It doesn't feel healthy. Like, what do I do? Where do I go from here? And also, like, where do these voices come from? Like, how do they get in there? Because maybe you don't like the one that's up there, but it won't shut up. It just keeps talking. Like, how did it even get there? And why does it take the stances that it does? And, like, why does it carry so much weight? And if, if, if the one in your mind is sabotaging you more than it's not, how, how, what do you do? Are you stuck with it? Can you override it? Are you trapped? Do you have any options? And there's this really quirky story in, in the Old Testament that I think it, it deals with and addresses a lot of these issues. And um, which, I mean, what story in the Old Testament isn't kind of quirky, but this one particularly is interesting to me. And, and for those of you who want to look it up, maybe you have your Bible or Bible app, or maybe you just want to write it down and and look it up and make sure I'm not making it up later when you get home. It's in 1 Samuel chapter three. And we're gonna read this together and just make some observations today. This is what it says, 1 Samuel chapter three, verse one. It says, the, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli, who is the, the high priest. And in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. And one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. So he's like in the temple, in the church sleeping because he's there to help. It says, suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, he replied, what is it? And he got up and he, and he ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? No, I didn't call you. What I did was put you to bed. If you need a drink of water, you should have thought about that. Oh, I'm sorry. Now it's just, uh, it's just stuff coming from my, from my life. Any other parents out there? It's just like, you like to put your kids to bed 18 times a night. 
Oh, Mom, I, I forgot about this really deeply existential question I wanted to ask you about. You're five. We'll deal with it later. Go to bed. So much. Just so you know, this has been going on since the beginning of time. This guy isn't even this kid's real dad. And he's still getting bothered with this, right? He says, go back to bed. And so he did. This kid is obedient, which again, may or may not be like my children. And so verse six, it says this. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. Now, depending on what translation you read this in, in English, this, this phrase may be translated in a different way. In fact, more times than not, it's translated totally differently. This never had a message from the Lord before is often translated, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Because there's this Hebrew word that's involved in, in this, this thing. This is what the, this section of scripture is written in Hebrew. Uh, this word revealed means uncovered or exposed or made aware. And here's what this is saying. This is why I point this out. It's not that God hadn't been there with him. It's not even that God may not have been already speaking to him. It's that he'd never learned to tune his heart and his mind into God's frequency. Like, I wonder if you've had uh, the, the instance before, anybody listen to podcasts, right? And if you're not, what are you doing in the car uh, when we all drive to and from work 87 hours every single week, right? And maybe you've had an experience where somebody mentioned a podcast to you and then they brought it up again and it's almost getting annoying because they keep bringing it up and you're like, oh, it doesn't sound like, but you listen to it and you're like, this is actually awesome. And then you do the thing where it says view more episodes and you push that button and there's like 103 episodes and you're like, what? in the world, this is the greatest thing ever. And then you start feeling angry. You're like, how come nobody told me about this before? Why were you guys keeping it a secret from me? I could have been enjoying this, this whole time. And it wasn't that it didn't exist. It was that you just never heard it before. It was happening. It was there. It was available. You just never tuned in. You'd never gotten a chance to hear it. And that's a little bit what's happening here. And also, my wife and I really love true crime podcasts. So if, uh, you know, summer's coming up, it's road trips. So be a friend. Don't keep that stuff secret, all right? We'll be at the connect counter afterwards. <laughs> it's interesting to me, too, that, like, maybe you picked up on this. Like, Samuel is incredibly religious, okay? He doesn't just go to church. He lives at the church, some of you like have said that as a joke before of like, I practically live there. This kid really does live there, okay? He lives inside the church. He's on beck and call, right? But here's what's crazy about that. Even though this is his life, he's still not tuned into who God is, what God's voice sounds like. Maybe you're wondering like, what kind of voice is it? Was it an audible voice? Maybe, I don't know. What would it sound like? Obviously Morgan Freeman, but like, we don't know. <laughs> if that's what he was hearing. Because God speaks and he reveals himself in a lot of different ways, through gut feelings, through visual art, right? Through film and music and poetry and nature and conversations with other people and, and scripture. 
which may bring up this, this bigger question, like how do you know if it's God? Like if you're sensing something or feeling something or you feel like maybe you're hearing something that's directing you life in a certain direction, like how do you know if it's God? And to that I would say that God is, is best revealed through Jesus. Meaning God wouldn't say anything to you that conflicts with what Jesus has already said to us. And I think this is a great filter to sort of place in your life when it comes to like trying to discern the voice of God. In fact, there's a lot of scripture that just underscores this idea again and again. Uh, one of these verses is found in Hebrews chapter one, verse one. This is in the New Testament, a letter to some of the very first church people who are trying to figure out like, how do we know, like, how do we sense the voice of God? How do we know what God is saying to us, what God wants us to do? And this is what he says. It says, long ago, God spoke many times and many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he's spoken to us through his son, Jesus. And this is literally saying, if you read something that an Old Testament prophet says that appears to contradict Jesus, FYI, go with Jesus. Because Jesus is the authority. Jesus gets the final word. Jesus speaks on behalf of God because Jesus is God. And that's why it's easy for me, at least personally, to sometimes dismiss, uh, you know, a lot of what people say they hear from God or, you know, shout to others on the street through a megaphone about God um, or try and tell me God wants me to know about me or, you know, even, even sort through the own self-criticism inside of my own mind. Because I know the reality of it is, if what I'm hearing isn't consistent with the things that Jesus said or did, it's not God. It says in this story of 1 Samuel chapter 3, now in verse 8, it says, so the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. <laughs> Eli's so mad at this point. Did you call me? This is at this point, I'm like, what do you think? Seriously. <laughs> then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. And so he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so Samuel went back to bed. Now, this may be something that sort of slips through the cracks or that goes under the radar for you, but this is great mentoring. This is incredible parenting. Because here's the reality for all of us. We all need help interpreting our experiences. Like what happened to us, what it means, how to think about it, what to do about it. And here's the thing, you have gotten this help at different points in your life and now you are helping yourself. But like, maybe that help isn't really all that helpful. Maybe how you were taught to like analyze what happened to you and what it means and how to think about it and what to do about it is not an accurate interpretation or not a healthy or a holy or a helpful interpretation of events. It's not really providing you with the best course moving forward. Like this is why I say this is great parenting because think about it in, this, in these terms. Like let's say your kid 
you know, complains about a stomach ache almost every time you're about ready to leave the house to go somewhere to spend time with a group of other people, okay? Maybe at first you would start asking like a logical set of questions of like, where does it hurt? Why does it hurt? How, did you get, when did you go to sleep last night? What have you eaten, right? You might explore uh, their bedroom and see if there's any candy wrappers tucked underneath their pillow. Not that this is about any specific kid or boys that live in my house, but you might do some of these things. And if all of this stuff like it, it, it leads to nothing. They're all dead ends. Maybe you might start asking questions about like, let me ask you this. What are you thinking about right now? Is there anything you're nervous about? What are you afraid is going to happen? What are you trying to avoid? Why do we ask these questions, right? These are great mentoring questions because it's training your child to understand that they are a fully integrated being. And here's what is true about all of us. Sometimes our bodies know things physically that our minds haven't yet figured out intellectually. And maybe you've had this experience before in your life where like something is going on with you and like you, you haven't quite figured it out. And so your body makes you sick to slow you down so that you think. And then you're just like, I, my schedule is too busy. And actually, these two relationships are not healthy. And suddenly you're like, thanks, stomach aches. Because you've connected the dots. And this is what good mentors do. They help us connect the dots and design solutions moving forward to realize that God is always speaking through lots of different ways. Because the reality of it is, sometimes a stomach ache is because you ate some bad pizza. And sometimes it's because you have bad thinking patterns. Like sometimes we feel guilty deep down because we are guilty, right? Because we've done something that we know is wrong that we need to make right. And sometimes we feel guilty because we have this voice embedded in the back of our minds that are telling us that like, you know, we're in trouble when we are not. That we're bad when we're not. That we should feel horrible when we shouldn't. We need help interpreting what's happening to us. And sometimes God speaks through a stomach ache. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's just a stomach ache. But many of us have never learned to live tuned in or to interpret ourselves this way, which is why, you know, a lot of us don't. And when something comes up, whether we're sensing something or we feel uncomfortable about something or like we, we feel like, ah, I don't know, maybe I should, uh, and we're, we're, we're experiencing this stuff, instead of actually going into it because we've never been taught to connect the dots inside of ourselves, like a lot of us just rely on constant activity to avoid having to address our toxic thinking and the impact that it's having on us. We're just like, man, I am, something is, I'm feeling, weird. I, I, don't, I don't want to, and, I, and I'm not, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to maybe, or sure how to call it out and correct all the negativity that's bouncing around inside of me right now. And so I'm just gonna overpack my schedule. And so we, we, we don't sit still. We don't go deep with other people in conversations. Instead, we just sort of scurry about and we organize this and then we reorganize it and then we re-reorganize it. Then we order the exact bins that Marie Kondo has. That's gonna help. That's gonna fix it. Then we overclean. We absorb everyone else's responsibilities that aren't ours. 
So just keep moving so we don't have to think or face. And in this story, Eli is, is telling Samuel, this kid that he's mentoring, that in a lot of ways he's parenting. He's saying like, don't do that. Live a life integrated with your whole self. At first, you know, he, he doesn't know this because he's just going through the, what, what's the most logical thing, right? So he's just like, hey, you're probably just hearing something. The tabernacle's a big place, right? You probably just heard like a goat and it like echoed. Like that's probably what it is, like, you know, who knows? But then after a while, he's like, wait, wait, wait. Maybe it's not that. Let, let's, let's follow it. Maybe God is trying to reveal something to you. Maybe God is trying to wake you up to something. Maybe God is trying to, to show you something or speak to you in some ways. Why, why, don't, why, don't you, why don't you stay with it? Why don't you sit with it? Why don't you listen to it? And Samuel was really fortunate to have Eli because if you, if you watch the trajectory of the rest of his life, and there's a lot written about Samuel in the Old Testament, he becomes one of the most influential figures in Jewish history. And he goes back to this way of being over and over and over again as he grows up. Like when he senses something, when he's in the middle of a situation, he pulls back, he sits with it, he goes into himself, he tries to analyze it, he's trying to listen for the voice of God, the direction of God. And it's fortunate that he was taught and practiced how to do this at a young age because the prominent external voices from your childhood often become your primary internal voices in adulthood. And I don't know if you have uh, gotten to a place where you are self-aware enough to realize that this is true about you. Maybe you're looking at this right now and thinking like, yeah, no, I can see that. That is probably why my internal voice is not a gentle old priest. Because that's not what I grew up around. Now, the, the voice locked up inside my head is an impatient businesswoman. It's an it's a angry, alcoholic father. It's, it's a sarcastic, demanding coach. It is a, you know, perpetually condescending radio host. Because what happens is over time, their voice, a version of their voice, becomes your voice. Becomes how you talk to yourself. And some of those voices that are locked up inside of our heads couldn't sound any less like Jesus. And that's a problem. Because here's the downside of all of this. How you talk to yourself determines what you hear from everyone else. So those voices are not just causing problems inside of your own mind. It's actually distorting what everyone else is saying and doing around you because it's passing through the filter of that inside voice. This is why for some of us, when, when, when somebody you know, sits down with us and they're just like, man, Great job, that was great work. I would just tweak this one little thing here. Like what you heard was, you are a piece of crap. Everything you do is stupid. I can't believe I have to even mention this to you, idiot. You should have caught your own mistakes instead of making me do it. I drive home and most of the time I'm just thinking about how stupid you are. Why do I waste my life spending time 
with you. Now that's not what they actually said, but it is what you heard. Because everything that everyone else says has to pass through what you say. And the reason is because your inner voice is, is louder than any other voice in your life. Whereas a, a, a therapist friend once told me, she said, here's the reality. Um, your brain only listens to you. So it doesn't matter what other people tell you. It doesn't matter what the love of your life tells you. It doesn't matter what a father figure or a mother figure tells you. It doesn't matter what a group of other people who really admire you tell you because guess what? You're not listening to them. You're only really listening to you. You're reinterpreting, judging, and justifying everything that everyone says through the filter of the voices in your head. I wonder like if you were to take a few minutes to just think about the voices in your mind, the dialogues that take place there, who, who does that voice remind you of? Does it change depending on the, the set of circumstances you're in? What you're experiencing, what you're going through? What does it tell you? Is it... Does it seem to be, when you listen to it, does it seem to be making you better or making you worse? Maybe you're thinking like, well, it doesn't sound like Eli. I can tell you that. <laughs> so what, like, what now? Like, what, do I, what do I do? And the reality of it is, like, if, if you didn't receive a healthy inner voice, you're going to have to replace it. And this is actually the idea behind um, cognitive therapy. It's, it's internalizing a better, a healthier inner voice. But that's not necessarily where it comes from. In fact, this idea, this, this concept doesn't really come from psychology as much as theology, biblical theology. It's all over the pages of scripture. Here's one of my favorite examples. This happens uh, to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. This is the apostle Paul. He's writing to one of the very first Christian churches. People who are trying to discern and figure out like what God is saying to them and what they should do about things. And he says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. So this is saying like every thought that you have, everything that is said to you, everything that you read and see, everything that is spoken into your life, it has to be interpreted, right? It is ultimately obeying an inner voice. And what is his advice? You wanna live life to the full? Do the work to make that inner voice, that inside filter, the voice of God. Because that's the healthiest voice you can ever have on the inside. Imagine this. Imagine if you interpreted everything everyone else said to or about you through what God has already said to and about you. How would that change and transform you? Think of how much less insecure you'd be. Like, think of how much less defensive you'd be. Think of how much less anxious you'd be. Think of how much less angry you'd be. 
I imagine that it would change your experience of everything and everyone else. And in fact, we, we have enough like social research and data to even tell us that this is, this is true. Like self-aware people who are aware of the voices in their head and where they come from and do the work to, to place healthy voices there of which God's is the healthiest, they're better listeners. Partially because they know like what it takes to push an emotional button inside of them and they know what voice that's gonna trigger. And they're, they're emotionally healthy enough to take that thought captive, to direct that voice, to acknowledge why it's there and where it comes from and to not let it steer where their life is going. And because they're able to do this, self-aware people are able to sit in a situation and actually listen and learn from others longer. Which is why I would say to you, like if you wanna have healthy relationships with others and with yourself, regularly invite God's voice to direct your inner dialogue. And I, I think that's ultimately what this story is about. I think this story is about a lot of things, but I think it's about Eli teaching Samuel to internalize God's voice at an early age, to listen for it, to shut out the noise, to prioritize God's voice over everything else, to prioritize what God says above everything else, to let that be the guiding, the directing force in his worldview and to allow it to be the one who sets all the other voices in his head straight. It says in verse 10 of chapter three in this story that the Lord came and he called before Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And then it details out this elongated conversation. I don't think it was the first time that God spoke to Samuel. I think it was the first time he really listened. It changed everything. It opened this door in his life that began to transform who he was, how he thought and saw everything. It made him wise beyond his years, even as a little boy. And he grew up to be one of the most influential people in all of Jewish history because God was ultimately directing his thoughts. Samuel, in this moment, he doesn't avoid the moment or the feelings that he's feeling. He sits in it, he pays attention to it. He allows God to speak to him through it. The, the Hebrew word here that's translated as listening literally just means to give focused attention to. He's literally saying in this moment, he's pausing and saying like, God, you have my full focused attention. How often do you do that? How often do you just sit, especially when you're feeling anxious or nervous or fearful or frustrated? How often do you stop, back away, sit and say to God, you have my full focused attention. Help me interpret and understand what is happening and what to do about it. And if you do this, here's what else is gonna happen. There's gonna be another voice that has a seat at the table who's like, well, I'll tell you what, and shh, shh, no, not you. You don't get to talk. God, I am fully focused 
All my attention is on you. What do you have to say? What if God was constantly speaking to you? And what if internalizing his voice would actually have a profound impact on your levels of anxiety, but you're not really listening? Because most of us, we weren't taught to do this as kids like Eli taught Samuel. And instead we were raised in a culture that's just like, you know what, just, just like do more stuff. And so we just, we scurry about and we try and do more. And we, we kind of keep an eye out for like that special other person that's gonna enter into our life or that unique experience that we're gonna have that will like, you know, fully fill that hole inside of us. And we, we believe these things and we, we deal with our lives this way because it prevents us from ever having to like slow down and actually sit with what's going on inside of us. But I gotta tell you, expecting another person to do for you what only God can do for you will leave you empty and them exhausted. Because no matter how much they say to you or pour into you or invest in you, no matter how many gifts they give you or how many years of their life they devote to you or how many like affirming statements they share with you, your brain still is only gonna listen to you. And if you haven't handed that inner dialogue over to God, it has the ability to shut them out and shut them down. Maybe you've been in a relationship before where, where somebody's trying to get all this from you and you're just like, ah, it just is so draining. It's exhausting. You can't deliver. See, the truth is that the key to living life to the full is training yourself to internalize the voice of God, to allow it to interpret life and advise you. And so that's great. But, but how do we do that practically? And I want to just close by giving you a few thoughts on how to actually do this. Because like Samuel, it's not just like, you should do this. And then Samuel is just like, great idea. <laughs> and then his whole life, no, he had to go away and practice, right? And, and, and you'll have to do the same thing. And if, and if you're older than like 11, 12 years old, like this kid was, uh, you're probably gonna have to unlearn some other practices that are not helping you. So what, what would you do? And here's the, the first thing I would suggest. I would suggest to internalize the voice of God, read and reread scripture, specifically the stories and sayings of Jesus. Because I gotta tell you, there's a lot of stuff coming at you and there are a lot of voices that are already internalized inside of you that are not helpful and healthy. And if you wanna know like what God thinks, God is best revealed in Jesus. And pouring over the stories and the sayings of Jesus like hides his voice, his words, his thoughts inside of ourselves. And it begins to override the way that we see the world. And I wanna encourage you, just keep going back to, some of you didn't know this was possible. Like you don't just have to read like a, a verse one time. Or you can just go back and just keep reading over and over. Just that, that's a bonus tip. You can do that, it's allowed. The second thing is I would frequently put yourself around people who echo the voice of Jesus to you. 
Most of us, when we want advice or we're trying to figure stuff out, right, we, we, we turn to the people that are around us. And some of those people that we are letting speak into us and advise us are not echoing the words of Jesus. They're like, what you ought to do is this. It involves anger and AK-47. You don't want to be listening to those people. That's not the voice of God. This is why I think it's so powerful to be a part of a local church that centers around the life and the stories and the sayings of Jesus because people begin to internalize that stuff and conversations begin to point you back to who Jesus is and the way Jesus talks and what Jesus does. And it begins to inform how you, this is why it's important not just to, to attend, but to be on a serving team, to build relationships with people outside of services, to be inside of a growth group where you can have discussions, where you have somebody push back on a, on a thing and be like, that thing that it sounds like you're saying to yourself does not sound like Jesus. And you can do what I do in those situations. You get really annoyed and be like, you know, you're so, so spiritual. <laughs> and later on the way home, you're like, man, that guy's right. I mean, we're definitely gonna have to find a new group, but I mean, <laughs> still... The third thing is, ask yourself what Jesus would say or do in the situation in front of you. Remember those old like WWJD bracelets? So we had no idea it was what was what would Jesus do, and it was just like this this little this little way for all of us who grew up in the church in the '90s to look amazingly fashionable, but also. It was like a mechanism, right? It was a mechanism to say like in everything, like there's probably other voices that are advising us to think or do or worry about certain things. But like, is this, is what I have an impulse to do? Is what my brain, the point of view my brain is arguing for? Is it really what Jesus would say and do in this situation? Because if I'm a follower of him, I try and live my life as if he were me in this situation. It begins to change the way you think about everything. And the last thing I would say is, is pray that Jesus would replace your unhealthy inner voice with his own. And, and it, when you read through scripture, Old and New Testament, people that were close to the heart of God, th this is like, this is half their prayers. God, help me to think like you. Help me to see like you. Help me to internalize your thoughts and ways and expectations, your ways of seeing things and people and situations. And even me, God, override the dysfunction that I inherited. And this is what I want to do. I want to just, I want to actually just read you a meditation from the Old Testament, it's from the book of Psalms. Uh, it was from King David. He was the one who wrote this down. Interestingly enough, King David, who was anointed to be king by Samuel. And how did Samuel know David was going to be king? Because he was tuned into the voice of God. Because he grew up internalizing the voice of God. Because he could walk into a situation and there were all these other voices in his mind telling him something and he could push them out and zero in on who God is and what God would think and say. And throughout David's life, he tried to teach David to do the same and David struggled with it. He was much older when he had these interactions with the mentor that could tell him how to figure himself out. 
And David wrote this prayer that I think is an incredible meditation. I'm gonna just tell you where it's found so you can write it down. And then I'm gonna ask you to do something kind of weird. I'm gonna ask you just to close your eyes and just to think about the words that are being spoken. I want you to think about internalizing them as if they were your own words, to leverage this as a meditation, to invite Jesus to replace your unhealthy inner voice with his own. This is found in Psalm 119, verse 11. I want you just to close your eyes. Just FYI, I can see you. So just so you know, I know if you're not doing it, we do have security on hand. Just close your eyes, take a deep breath. That's what David writes. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I choose to praise you, O Lord. Teach me your expectations. I've recited them aloud so I can remember them. I've rejoiced in your words as much as in riches. I'll study your commandments and reflect on all your ways. I will delight in your decrees and I won't forget your word. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Your instructions please me. They give me wise advice. As you are sitting in this meditation with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I wanna just pray that God would help you to practice hearing his voice prioritizing it over everything else you see and hear and experience and to easily rule out anything that pretends to be God that doesn't look or sound like Jesus. God, I pray for every person here, everyone watching online. God, you know our hearts, you know what's going on in the deepest, darkest places where it's just us and the other voices that we dialogue with. God, you know, for some of us, how dark those conversations, those dialogues can get. And God, I pray that your voice would storm in. Like, like it's knocking a gavel on the, the boardroom table of our minds and, and demanding to be the commanding voice that gets to interpret and make final decisions on whatever else is being said. And God, I pray that we would continually give you more of our thinking, of our processing. God, may you be the voice that we hear most often. And God, may it change the way that we see everything, the, the way that we experience everyone. And God, may it change the way we feel about ourselves. May it empower us to listen to the people around us more because we're self-aware enough to take every thought captive, to make it obedient, to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from South Hills Church in Corona, California. We hope that you will continue to connect with us here online. We would love to hear your story, feel your questions, and learn how this ministry has changed your life. 
You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching South Hills Corona.